RPN is not responsible for the views, actions, statements, or opinions of its guests, advertisers, or even its viewers. The information contained in this program is not to be confused with medical or legal advice. An appearance on this platform is not necessarily an endorsement, but as always, we encourage you to do your own research. Enjoy the show. Good evening, everyone. You're listening to Red Pill 78. As always, my name is Zach Payne, the Corruption Detector, and this is another edition of Red Pill News for Saturday Night Livestream. Joining me in the studio tonight, for the very first time, the author of Emerging from Darkness, a spiritual memoir and guide back to the light, it is Brianna Ladala. If you'd like to check out the book, the link is in the description of this video. My mods will be passing it out throughout the day as well. We're going to be talking about the circumstances of her life that led her to where she is today and the current work that she does working to advocate for trafficked children and a whole lot more. So if you wouldn't mind, I would sincerely appreciate it if you hit the like button on your way in. Maybe hit the red pill if you're over there on the foxhole at pilled.net. And you can also share the show. That would be awesome. All right, guys, sit back, relax, and grab your popcorn. We're going to be right back after this. Bitcoin ETF is all the rage right now, and that's because a major financial player is just now resubmitting their application for a Bitcoin ETF. So as a result, investors are thinking this is just over the horizon. Mainstream adoption is right around the corner. Now, add to that, lawmakers recently voted to set guidelines on just when and how crypto firms should register with either the Commodities Futures Trading Commission or the Securities and Exchange Commission. Now, while all of this is good news, an ETF only gives you ex- exposure to crypto, not direct ownership. The whole point of cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin is to directly own an asset with a finite supply that is outside of any government influence. And my digital money can help you do that. With my digital money, you own your crypto, whether you invest in a crypto IRA or with a standard trading account. Now, remember, it's important to diversify your portfolio. And when it comes to a crypto investment, direct ownership is of the utmost importance. So don't get caught up in the excitement the media is trying to spin because nothing beats owning your own crypto and nothing beats investing in crypto through my digital money. Not only are you able to invest with them using a crypto IRA, but also a standard trading account, and it's all in the same platform. You also have the assurance that your assets are going to be put into a trust. That means that no matter what happens to my digital money, your crypto is always safe. 
So if you're ready to invest in cryptocurrency, do so with MyDigitalMoney.com. Once again, that's MyDigitalMoney.com. The link is in the description box below. And I should also tell you they have excellent U.S.-based customer service. So feel free to give them a call with any questions you might have at 833-636-2008. Invest with MyDigitalMoney.com today. And when you support my sponsors, you support this channel. All right. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thank you for sticking around after the break. And please join me in welcoming our guest for this evening, uh, Brianna Ladapo. Brianna, how are you this evening? I'm fantastic. How are you doing? I'm excellent. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, so I wanted to uh, uh, welcome you to the program. Brianna, the how are you this evening? Well, hold I'm on. Fan- for some reason, we were getting a little bleed through on audio from someplace else. Took care of that. Uh, yeah, just wanted to say thank you for joining us this evening. Uh, we had actually tried to do this uh, about a month or so back, but there was uh, uh, some issue that happened. And I understand you've just moved recently, you and your family. So uh, are you uh, – you want to tell everybody where you made the trip to? Sure. And actually, the, the issue a month ago was the hurricane that looked like it was headed straight for us at yes. the time. So I grabbed my kids and we got out of here. <laughs> but uh, we recently moved to St. Petersburg. Oh, excellent. We, it's a beautiful yeah. place. Have you guys been to the Dolly Museum yet? Not yet. Not yet. Driven by. I'm trying to talk my boys into it, but I might have to go alone. Well, I th- I think they'll probably like it. I mean, it's like a giant, like, reflective bean from the outside, if I remember correctly. But there's so much cool stuff in there. So show them some pictures online, and, and they might be into it. But, um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I have, so, I have uh, some other friends that live uh, just south of Tampa, and they also evacuated. And luckily, everything was fine. There was nothing uh, that had happened to their home or their property or anything. The uh, last year, there was a hurricane um, that came through our area and Flagler Beach, uh, which which is like our beach, that's where it is. A whole big section of it got washed away and we lost half of our pier. Um, it was it was devastating. There was like a, the main road, the A1A, it got washed out. And uh, luckily, we were totally fine here in our neighborhood. It's actually one of the reasons that I, I picked this area because it's not a floodplain it's never flooded. Like nobody's ever had flood damage in their homes and the drainage is really, really good. So, you know, I know that it's uh, it's not necessarily that way in, in a vast majority of Florida. So I'm glad you guys were okay. Thank you. Same yeah. here. Yeah. You guys were too. It's been an education. Definitely. Definitely. So let, let's talk a little bit about your book. Um, uh, it, you, it says in your description and in, in, in the press packet that you sent over uh, that you had a, a fairly difficult childhood. What, what can you tell us about that? Well, I was born into a family that was deeply religious. Um, one side was fundamentalist Roman Catholic, and the other side was fundamentalist Protestant uh, to the extent that they actually believed that everyone outside their congregation, not even their religion at large, but the congregation was going to hell. And so my family was in a religious war with each other when I was born. And um, it's like living in Northern Ireland. (laughs) Yes. yes. And uh, I was, I was a bit of a strange kid. I was born hearing angels and having visions and, um, at the time, I thought they were dreams, you know, and I also didn't know this was unusual. When you're a kid, you define the world through your own perspective and your experience. So I would freely share these things with my family, things I would see in my dreams that would come true a day or two later, or how I felt about someone or things. I would know things about people and have no reason to know these things. Yeah. And um, 
from their dogmatic perspective, they thought that was satanic and told me that I must be of the devil. So uh, things got very dark in that household. And as a kid, you want to be loved by your family. You want to be agreeable. So I did my very best to become unobjectionable. I I put my light out. I stopped talking about any of these things. I pretended it wasn't happening. And in retrospect, I realized I shut down all my gifts. I shut down my soul. And that led to a really dark path for me for many years. Um, Because just as light attracts light, darkness attracts darkness. Mm -hmm. So I ended up going through years of sexual abuse, um, just about every other type of abuse, and um, really didn't see a way out until um, there there was a strange series of events down the road, um, which has led me to what I do today, working with sexually abused, exploited, and trafficked children. But um, after I got out of my family... Uh, I swear I would never get married, never have children. I didn't want to bring people into the world after what I had been through, but God has quite a sense of humor. So he trapped me on a plane in a hurricane (laughs) next to the man who is now my husband. And um, actually probably know my Joe, my husband is uh, Dr. Latipo, the surgeon general of our state. Oh, oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's, oh, okay. Well, it's all coming together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he wouldn't mind me saying this because he's also written about his experience, but it's relevant because he also went through sexual abuse as a child. And as I feel like anyone who's ever been in a, a relationship knows, you tend to act as a mirror for one another. Oh, yeah. So anything that you have not dealt with or you've tried to bury or oppress, your partner tends to trigger that in you or, or, let's say, help you bring it to the surface. So um, after we met the day of Hurricane Charlie, actually, so we have a fondness for hurricanes <laughs> going way back. We also have a hurricane baby. So, <laughs> so far, hurricanes have been good to us. <laughs> so um, when we were first married, and we were so crazy about each other, still are, after 20 years, he's my favorite person in the whole world. But our respective pasts started to rear their ugly heads. And we got to the point where we were nearly destroyed. We were on the verge of splitting up. And we had tried everything we knew how to try, you know, traditional therapy and self-help exploratory programs like Landmark and Avatar. And we had traveled the world, studied every religion we could get our hands on. There was a religious aspect to his, his trauma as well. So we, we just kept trying to understand and fix it. But we got to this point where there was just no way. We were both so damaged and uh, we were on the verge of splitting up. And I, I broke down to a friend of mine one day and I was telling him, I, you know, I don't want to leave this marriage. I love this man as much as my own life, maybe more, but I don't know how to fix this. And he said, I have a friend you need to meet. And he warned me, he said, he's a little out there. And I thought most people think I'm a little out there, so. <laughs> Lay it on me. <laughs> say what you got to say. He said, well, why don't you order his book and, and just see if it resonates? So I ordered it that moment through Amazon. And when it arrived, I didn't even need to open it because the picture of this man was on the cover of the book. And I wish there was language to describe the soul resonance I felt when I saw him. And I knew that he was what I'd been looking for. And I didn't even know what that was. I just knew that that was the person I needed to talk to. And, um, we spoke on the phone 
And uh, this is a very long story, but the shortest way I can put it is uh, Joe decided to go first. So this man is a healer and I've known hundreds of healers in my life. Um, Some of them very gifted, some of them very much full of it, (laughs) but this man, he's incredible. And uh, Joe and I both had a miraculous experience with him. So Joe went first and did his week. And uh, when I saw what happened to him, I thought, okay, I think my gut was right on. This is the real deal. Uh, Since the day I had met my husband, he had a dark entity hanging off of him. And I knew it wasn't his, but it was clinging to him like a shadow. And by day one, um, and you spend a week with this man, with, with this healer, by day one, Joe came home and this entity had moved off of him a little bit. And the whites of his eyes were so bright. I felt like I'd never seen his eyes before. And he was more present with our kids. And then by Wednesday, he was down on the floor, rolling around and laughing with them. And I didn't realize until that happened that I had really never seen him laugh. Mm. He was always in so much pain. And then by Friday, this entity was gone, never to return, by the way. And he was a completely different person. He, it was the soul that I always knew was in there because I could feel him, but he was under so much stress and in so much pain, he was never able to actually be who he really was. And I was blown away. This was one week this happened in. So I thought, okay, I need to go see this man. And I had the most remarkable experience of my life. And in a nutshell, the way this relates to what I do now is he taught me how to transmute energy. So that is the practice of taking low vibrational, dark shadow energy that does not serve you or anyone else and transforming it into high vibrational light, divine energy that not only serves you, but every soul you ever touch. And I didn't know that was possible because having tried therapy and other things, it seems like you kind of just chew your cud forever and ever. You talk about it all, you bring it to the surface, but it doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't actually solve the problem. So I didn't know that healing this powerful, this transformational and this permanent was possible. So it completely changed the course of my life and has allowed me to function in the world free of external influence, pressure, stress. It made COVID very easy for us to respond to actually, because I'm, I no longer feel beholden to these, these external forces, but um, the best thing it has allowed me to do besides be a far more conscious and powerful parent myself is to help children who've been through at least what I've been through and frankly, far, far worse And I wish this industry didn't exist, but as long as it does, I feel a great obligation to help. And I wouldn't be able to do that if I hadn't been through this particular type of, uh, of trauma healing and had this education. Well, that's awesome. Um, I want to go back to uh, something you said earlier. I mean, about uh, uh, your experiences speaking with angels and and getting messages directly from God, you know, I, was it, was it both sides of the family that were resistant to it? Because I know, I mean, I'm I'm a, I was raised Roman Catholic myself and obviously there is the acceptance of uh, miracles and, you know, the divine delivery of messages from God, but not so much, it seems on the Protestant side. Yeah. So the Protestant side was militantly against all of this. They thought it was demonic. Mm -hmm. The Catholic side was a little bit different. Uh, It took me years to learn this, but in retrospect, I realized that what was going on is my father actually had this gift as well, Okay, but he also had a deeply traumatic childhood. And I think it was essentially 
beaten out of him. And so I'm not sure whether he was still in denial or trying to protect me on some level from having his experience, but um, he definitely pretended it wasn't possible, couldn't be happening, et cetera. But the motivation was definitely a little bit different on the Catholic side. Okay. Okay. And, uh, and as far as this relates to your work now with traffic children, what, what organizations do you work with? Or, or I mean, do you work with many organizations? Many. I work right now. I work with all nonprofit organizations. I'm also in the process of starting my own. Okay. In fact, with my husband and with Christopher, the healer that we met, because we want to take this work to as many kids as possible. But I go wherever I needed, and I do work with people privately as well, one on one. But my real joy is going into a foster care organization or uh, um, really any organization that specializes in healing children. Because unfortunately, uh, under the current law, and especially if you're involved in foster care and have to use federal dollars, you can't use that money to do anything constructive. You can use it to drug children yep. or bankrupt them. And that's about it. Um, I got a really rude awakening when I first moved here two years ago, um, in Florida, not St. Pete. We just moved to St. Pete. But when I started working with these organizations and we would fundraise and get so many dollars from so many wonderful people who really wanted to make a difference. And we would try to do things like build a community garden so that the kids could get their hands in the dirt and be a little closer to earth and take care of something. And we tried to bring in animals for equine therapy and just for the kids to have as pets and interact with. Because if you don't know how to love yourself, you got to start small. So we wanted to teach them to love something else. But um, every time we tried to do something like this, I think these ideas are, are pretty straightforward and, mm-hmm. and pretty, pretty basic. They would raise our insurance. They would stop us from doing it all together. We'd be fined. Um, we got fined once for, um, sorry, I should have started. So at, at the time I was working with an, or, an organization that um, had kids 24 hours a day on the premises and all they had to feed them were canned foods that were donated from local churches, mm. which is much appreciated. It's better than nothing, but it's not fresh, yeah. organic fruits and vegetables. It's not high vibrational food that's going to support someone in healing. So we partnered with some local farmers who very generously agreed to give us everything extra that they had. And we were punished by the state for this. So much like every other system that we have in this country and possibly worldwide, we really need to burn it down and start over and create no. Yeah, yeah. So we're, we're on the same page. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you know, the really sad thing about it, Brianna, is that you know, what I mean, these institutionalized systems that ha- are put in place, uh, they may have a stated goal. Okay, obviously the uh, uh, the foster care system or, or the state system. I mean, it's supposed to take care of these children and and to harbor them into adulthood and make them uh, functioning members of society. But really, it, it's it's just about the perpetuation of the system itself. You know, I mean, people are enriched as a result of getting involved in it all too often. The children are just going to suffer until they get to adulthood and then they're kicked out onto the street and just expected to fend for themselves. Not really given any life skills. Nobody's really there to truly usher them into adulthood. Um, you know, what what types are you doing any work to like, you know, uh, that that is within the boundaries of the system that will allow these children to get the life skills that are necessary? 
Um, within the boundaries, not exactly. <laughs> I spend my life finding workarounds or uh, I'm more of the ask for forgiveness rather than permission model. Sure. Because my bottom line is we need to give these kids the healing and the tools and the love and the support they need to become functioning adults. Mm -hmm. Because even if somebody manages to survive the system, which is not easy, it's so much uglier than I feel like people realize even if they make it to 18, like you just said, they have nowhere to go. They often have no life skills, no self-esteem, no one who cares about them. Even the workers in these foster homes tend to turn over quite often because it's difficult. Yeah. It's very difficult to bear witness to that level of pain and trauma every day, especially if you feel like there's nothing you can do about it. So for most of these kids, by the way, 95% of whom, at least in my area, are local and have been turned out by their own families. Mm -hmm. These are children who often never had a loving upbringing. They don't even know what it is. And one of the hardest things is to keep them away from their, their pimps or boyfriends or the people in their lives that have made them feel loved, even if it wasn't a true healthy love. Mm -hmm. I, we're starting from zero with so many of these babies. And so, um, no, the system does not support it at all. We have to work around it in every way possible, which is one of the reasons I went into this type of energetic healing, because at least if I can help a child transmute some of the trauma that is defining their experience, they have a shot. They have a chance to learn to love themselves and then to have a relationship in the future. Because unfortunately, in most of these foster homes, if the kids do make it to 18, they end up right back out on the street where they started. So that's what we're trying to prevent. A lot of the homes I work with um, do not kick children out at any age. They're welcome to stay as long as they want. There's one particular property I work with that I love that has, uh, it's mostly girls on this property. And every Christmas you have girls who've been out for five, 10 years, come back and bring their families because it still feels like home to oh, that's them. That's great. So that's the kind of experience I'm looking to create until this industry doesn't exist, which hopefully is sooner rather than later. Uh, we want to recreate what caring for children looks like. So have during the course of your work, have you run across any of the sort of institutionalized aspect of trafficking? I mean, I know that all too often kids are kind of just churned through and oftentimes they're put into the hands of people that shouldn't be involved at all. Unfortunately, that is more common than not yeah. in my experience. Um, at this point, I'm blessed to work with really amazing people for the vast most part, but there are so many organizations to wade through, so many who have very bad intentions, and it's the number of stories I hear, especially when we receive a child at one of our centers, Nine times out of 10, I hear, oh, this is my 19th, my 20th. I, we, I've been rehomed this many times. And when we start getting into the reasons why, it is inevitably that they were given to yet another abuser. And sometimes it's financial where people agree to take children in just for the money and yep. then the crime is neglect. But sometimes it is much, much worse. And unfortunately, 
Um, once a person has experienced sexual abuse, particularly as a child, once that boundary is broken, it makes you a target because it quite literally changes the frequency that you're emitting. Mm -hmm. um, you're, you're almost like a, we're, we're like radio towers. We mm -hmm. emit a frequency and we draw back. We attract that same frequency. I believe it's our soul's way of trying to make us look at it and, and figure it out, work it out. But it can result in people being re-victimized over and over again until they deal with that trauma pattern. Sure, I can understand that. Um, so you've uh, you've mentioned frequency and vibration, and that's something that I've heard from uh, Nikola Tesla, uh, perceiving the world uh, through energy, frequency, and vibration. And I'm just wondering if maybe you can uh, maybe expound a little bit upon what it is that you're actually talking about here, because, I mean, it sounds great to transmute energy, but what does that even mean? Certainly. Yeah, I know that for a lot of people, that's a wild concept. Sure. It sounds insane. <laughs> <laughs> I, I may have been one of those people uh, 10 years ago, especially after I turned off all of my gifts and was doing my very best to ignore it all for a while. I became, I think I believed the lies I was telling myself and I decided that it, it must all be nonsense. Um, so when I say vibration, what I mean is the very essence that your soul is is sending out into the world, the energetic waves that you are pushing out all the time. And this is not a conscious thing. We're energetic beings. So um, for our purposes, when I talk about vibration, someone who has a high vibration is someone who is in alignment with the divine, is in gratitude and joy, has created a life that they love, who it doesn't necessarily mean you're you're free of trauma. We all have trauma. I think every being walking the earth has trauma, especially these days. But um, your focus has a lot to do with it. In fact, I go deeply into that in my book. I, I talk explicitly about vibration, how to change your vibration, things you can do with that don't cost any money, that don't necessarily cost you a lot of time, that you don't need any special experience for. And I can get into that if you'd like, but just to define frequency. So if you think of us as, um, as radios, your frequency would be your station. So for me, after growing up in this very deeply, <laughs> fundamentally religious household where everybody was constantly at war, um, and, and then I went into this prolonged experience of repeated sexual abuse. The frequency I was putting out was, uh, it was essentially an invitation for more abuse. Sure. Um, in fact, if I could tell a brief story to illustrate this, that might help people understand. So when I, uh, the first day that I went to see this healer, his name is Christopher. Uh, I was in my Uber looking for his, his office and I pulled up and I was looking for a particular address and I saw every other address on this line of houses. And then there was one house that was under scaffolding. So I figured, okay, that must be the house. And uh, we pulled up and I noticed that there was a big crew of construction workers working on this building and that they were blocking the front door. And my heart just dropped right into my shoes because, and I'm sure every woman has had this experience, but you do not want to walk through a construction site alone, especially if you have a history of abuse. So I was dreading having to get through this and just to get to the door. And very predictably, um, there were lots of really unpleasant things said, really vulgar comments made. So anyway, I get through it. 
I go up to Christopher and the very first thing we discuss is my history of sexual assault. And he said, okay, the first thing we need to do is transmute that frequency. And at this point, I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> I have no idea what he means by that. I've understood vibration my whole life, but not frequency. So um, we do some work for about two hours. And then he says, okay, go out to lunch, go take a walk. And I could tell he was up to something, but I didn't really know what. So I walk back down the hall and I call the elevator and the elevator opens and it's a tiny little one or two person elevator. And who is inside but the construction worker that was the most vulgar two hours earlier. And I almost ran for the stairs. I almost bailed right then and there, but I thought, no, I'm not going to be displaced by this person. So I got in and I was sort of stealing myself for what I knew was coming. But this man looked down at the ground and in a very small voice, he said, excuse me, ma'am. I hope you don't mind me saying that you look very beautiful today. I was like, what? It's a big change. <laughs> yes. I wondered if maybe something had fallen on his head at the construction site or what, but I, I was really confused and he didn't say anything else. He just stared at the ground. He didn't even look at me, wouldn't even look me in the eye. And I couldn't figure this out. So finally we get to the first floor and he said, um, have a lovely day or something equally respectful. And I was floored. I, I could not understand this. So I walked out and I had to walk through these construction guys again. And I noticed that nobody said a word, which I thought was odd, but you know, you tell yourself there, there are reasons for things. It could be, this could be that. So I walked down the street looking for a place to have lunch and I have to walk through a big crowd of young 20 something frat guys who uh, seem to be on some sort of spring break. <laughs> and this is another situation that the old me would really have dreaded and avoided. But the same thing happened. These guys, they parted like the Red Sea, first of all, and then they were polite and kind. And in fact, I was so stunned, I dropped my bag and one of them ran up and picked it up and handed it to me and said, just like the construction worker, have a lovely day, ma'am. And I had never experienced this in my, in my life, not ever, not in my family, my social life. I had never been treated with respect um, particularly by men. And this has nothing to do with men, by the way, this is the frequency that I was putting out. I just mm. didn't know that. So anyway, uh, lunch goes by. I had about three other interactions that were equally surprising. So I got back to Christopher and I said, okay, what did you do to me? <laughs> What's going on? And that's when he explained the concept of frequency to me. He said, before you, you know, when you got here, you were giving off this energy of, of please abuse me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was like, but come in, the water is warm. He said, we transmuted that. He said, you don't, it's not there anymore. He said, you you remember everything, but the emotional imprint of that trauma is gone. We transmuted that energy away. He said, now you have the frequency of who you really are. And so since that day, I have not had a single negative interaction with any man of any age ever that's uh, that's pretty fascinating you know i mean the, just I, I have absolutely no idea how you would go about doing something like that outside of the just the the fact of just deciding to like hey i'm not going to be a victim anymore and you know this is the uh this is the the essence uh, of the uh of myself that i want to put out into the world you know because i mean we we the what you're describing i think is a concept that that a lot of people just you know kind of like internalize like you know you're gonna put out into the world 
what you want to receive back. If you want to be respected, you have to broadcast that essentially. And if you walk out down the street, you know, you know, with that that coming off of you, hey, please victimize me yet again, then quite often that's going to happen. I mean, and so often that does happen to children and uh, and, and adults even who have been abused and they've never truly. I guess move past it or, or or worked through whatever that trauma was because it's still there and it's hanging over them. So very interesting stuff. Yeah, I mean trauma it makes an energetic imprint on you, and um, you certainly can change the way the world interacts with you by changing the way you interact with the world. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I mean your attitude certainly does dictate a lot of how your life goes. But there's a difference between what's on the surface, right? What's operating at a conscious level and then these subconscious or even unconscious wounds that we carry. And um, I'll throw another layer of complication on top of this. (laughs) We don't just have our own trauma to deal with. We also have all of the trauma of at least seven generations before us that was never dealt with. Okay. So before you before you get into that, because this is actually something that I know a little bit about. Hold on to that thought because we got to take a break for the second half of the show. But we'll be right back and uh, we'll see you guys in a second. Bitcoin ETF is all the rage right now, and that's because a major financial player is just now resubmitting their application for a Bitcoin ETF. So as a result, investors are thinking this is just over the horizon. Mainstream adoption is right around the corner. Now, add to that, lawmakers recently voted to set guidelines on just when and how crypto firms should register with either the Commodities Futures Trading Commission or the Securities and Exchange Commission. Now, while all of this is good news, an ETF only gives you exposure to crypto, not direct ownership. The whole point of cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin is to directly own an asset with a finite supply that is outside of any government influence. And my digital money can help you do that. With my digital money, you own your crypto, whether you invest in a crypto IRA or with a standard trading account. Now, remember, it's important to diversify your portfolio. And when it comes to a crypto investment, direct ownership is of the utmost importance. So don't get caught up in the excitement the media is trying to spin because nothing beats owning your own crypto and nothing beats investing in crypto through my digital money. Not only are you able to invest with them using a crypto IRA, but also a standard trading account, and it's all in the same platform. You also have the assurance that your assets are going to be put into a trust. That means that no matter what happens to my digital money, your crypto is always safe. So if you're ready to invest in cryptocurrency, do so with MyDigitalMoney.com. Once again, that's MyDigitalMoney.com. The link is in the description box below. And I should also tell you they have excellent U.S.-based customer service. So feel free to give them a call with any questions you might have at 833-636-2008. Invest with MyDigitalMoney.com today. And when you support my sponsors, you support this channel. Okay, we are back. Brianna, please continue to expound upon the idea of the generational trauma. Yes. So if trauma happens somewhere in your ancestral line and is never dealt with, which for most of us, that is the case, whether because our our ancestors did not have the tools or the wherewithal or the desire to deal with that trauma, or frankly, did not think it was an issue worth dealing with that is carried forward in our epigenetics. Mm-hmm. It, trauma can quite literally change our DNA, which I think a lot of people don't realize. I think a lot of people think, oh, well, I'm just going to shove this down um, in a little box and put a lid on it and not think about it anymore. 
Unfortunately, that does not mean it's not going to affect your life, nor does it mean you're going to stop it from carrying forward in your bloodline. Yes. So we tend to just pass this trauma forward forever and ever until some pattern interrupt occurs. Someone decides to take it on and end that generational trauma for their entire ancestral line. So when you deal with your own trauma, especially with this type of energetic work that really gets in at a soul level and pulls it up and out, you end up dealing with things from years before you were ever born. Um, I eventually learned that my entire maternal line has had sexual assault issues for generations. Mm. So I actually believe at this point that I chose to come in and have these experiences so that I would break the pattern because this is not something I want to carry forward for my children or their children. And uh, I see this a lot with people who... Well, let's say the renegades, the health freedom crowd, uh, people who really want to make a positive change, people who want to create a world that works for everyone. A lot of us are pattern breakers. It's something I see all the time in our community. So I think we chose to come and do this for a reason. I think we all wanted to be here in this magnificent time of ascension. I think you're absolutely right. I, I often say that uh, God chose all of us to be here at this moment so that we could have our own unique effect on whatever is going to happen in the future, hopefully saving humanity, saving the world, and uh, setting this ship aright. But specifically in regards to the generational trauma, this is something that I have researched before because in a laboratory setting, they have taken mice and uh, basically – created uh like like specific fears in generational lines so like they take mice they show it something like terrifying that's going to eat it or something like that and then that that those two mice go on to have their next set of babies those babies have never seen whatever that terrible thing is either like a tarantula or a dog or a cat or something like that but they know what that thing is. They are afraid of it, and they know that it's dangerous before they even have any external stimuli or experience with it. So they have proven this in a laboratory setting in a number of different ways. That's just one experiment. But they've shown that this generational trauma is carried down, and it's passed genetically, which is exactly what you just described. And it's fascinating too, especially if you look at the current situation we're in, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of us have wondered how it is that so many intelligent people have been snowed by the agenda that has been pushed out by the powers that be over the last four years, Mm -hmm. a lot longer than that. But just for this example, we'll use COVID. It's been particularly heinous the last couple of years. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) At least it's right on the surface now. I mean, it had to come up before we can get rid of it. Exactly. You know, having been in academia for 20 years, I was shocked at how many people that I have been friends with for two two decades. And these people are brilliant. I respect their intelligence. They are well-meaning, good beings, but they fell for this hook, line, and sinker. And at first I was baffled until I realized that part of the way those powers that be manipulate people is by praying on those generational traumas. And I'm not sure if that's the way they're thinking about it, but they certainly have spent millennia at this point creating certain fears, like Mm -hmm. fears of scarcity, fears of violence, uh, all these different things. And it's been moving forward generation after generation. So it almost doesn't matter how smart we are because now we're so many generations in steeped in these fears that all they had to do was dangle the right 
you know, the right words, the right um, advertisements, and people just fell over with their masks on. Um, and I say that with love. I mean, it, it actually, it pains me that people are carrying these fears around. I would love nothing more than for everyone to deal with their trauma. We'd be living in a much better world. Yes, yes. No, I fully agree. And uh, it, it seems to have gotten better. I mean, I every now and then I still go outside and I see people wearing masks and I'm like, what are you guys doing? You know, come on. Have you not been paying attention yet? But I mean, I realize that there is still an exceedingly smaller and smaller group of people out there who only watch CNN or MSNBC or they, you know, they follow Dr. Fauci on Twitter or something like that. And so that's where they're taking their cues from, right? You know, not everybody is paying attention to Joseph based Dr. Joseph Ladapo. You know, I mean, like he's 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 like, I'm so I'm so impressed that he's your husband because he's been awesome down here. And uh, the messaging that he has been putting out there is just revolutionary. Like when you compare it to what you're hearing from other medical professionals around the country, obviously within our circle, like the health freedom area, uh, we've got a lot of great minds, a lot of great people, but not at his level. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Um, I of course I'm a huge fan. <laughs> um but truly this man um you know we've been together for 20 years and the, and it's when I when I met him I had just said that I would never get married or have kids and I really meant it. I was all done. And then this remarkable man sat next to me on the plane. And I was really trying to talk myself the whole time out of liking him at all. I'm thinking no one, no one that handsome could have a brain in his head. You know, no, okay. No one this smart could be polite. I'm telling myself all these lies, but in our very first conversation ever, I was blown away by his morality, his integrity, his honesty, the radiance of his soul. I mean, you can see it even on TV, his smile. This is a purely good man who wants good things for everybody and you just don't see that very often. And I have the greatest respect for my husband, not just because of who he is, but what he is willing to risk to help people that he will never meet. He is the most amazing person I know. Has ha, has he suffered any uh, repercussions from coming out and talking about things honestly in the way that he has? Oh, goodness. Every day. <clears throat> we get death threats every single day. Wow. Um, he, frankly, if we hadn't left LA when we did, he very likely would have been pushed out of UCLA, even though he was tenured and had more grants than most people two and three times his age. Um, he's always been extremely accomplished and very good at his job and very dedicated, but all of a sudden that didn't matter when he started talking about, uh, a narrative that wasn't popular. In fact, the way this all started is, uh, so we were in LA. Uh, during COVID. And uh, I was at, I was working at Stanford at the time, and he was at UCLA. And when the lockdowns first happened, and they decided to shut down schools, we panicked. We've got three little boys. And one was a newborn at the time. Mm. We thought, what are we going to do? Because he's in the hospital taking care of patients. And I was trying to work and I had this new baby. And uh, very quickly, we realized we didn't have time for each other anymore, because we were just trying to make sure the kids were okay. Um, and I started homeschooling because I wasn't going to have them sit in front of screens for eight hours a day. Mm -hmm. So um, we realized we needed to carve out some time together, but you know, nothing was open. The restaurants were all shut down and nobody really wanted to babysit. 
So we had a family friend that was willing to come over on Tuesday afternoons to give us a couple of hours. That's great. So we would go get our takeout and go sit on the beach somewhere and just talk about what we were observing in our respective workplaces and in our social circles. And, you know, right from the beginning, we knew something was very wrong because none of it made any sense. But we were surprised at how our colleagues and friends of years and years were panicking. Like these people were terrified and they were actually angry with us for not feeling that way. Mm -hmm. And so we felt obligated to do something. So we started writing this series of articles together. Um, Joe do most of the writing then I do most of the editing. And they were born out of these conversations we were having every Tuesday at the beach. And it turned into this series of articles. Um, most of them are in the wall street journal. I think there were about 12 of them mm. over the first year and a half of COVID. And at first, oh my goodness, uh, we were dropped immediately by most of our social group. We both started having issues at work with our colleagues. We were being threatened. Um, it was very ugly, but also made us certain that we were doing the right thing because um, people were, they weren't doing their own thinking at all. It's like critical no. thinking just went right out the window. No common sense. Fear took hold and people were doing insane things. Well, and talk about generational trauma. As soon as they use the word pandemic, you know, everybody was immediately into like that fear zone, like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? You know, sure. You know, govern me harder, daddy. Lock me up for as long as it takes. And then, you know, <laughs> do anything to avoid a pandemic. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. Well, I'm glad you guys made it out. I'm uh, I'm, I'm happy that you came down here too. Um, you guys, um, we are opening the phones now. We've got an abridged show this evening. We do have one person, two people rather, on the line. Uh, the call uh, information is on screen. If you dial six four six nine three one three eight six zero and then enter the meeting ID, which is two zero three five three four one eight three seven. Then you two can join the conversation. You can ask Brianna your questions. Let me say thank you to Aurelius Locke. He says, a dunkaroo for you, brother. Keep up the great work. Thank you for the supportive uh, post that you put on Twitter earlier today uh, for myself and my other co-hosts over on Badlands. And then Michelle Ann says, thanks, Zach, and thank you for being here. Let's go ahead and see who is on the line. All right. First caller. Caller, you're on the air. Go ahead and mute your stream. And can we get your name? Frey and the boys. Frey and the boys. Good to hear from you, buddy. How you doing? Thank you, Zach. I appreciate you inviting me and and uh, letting me speak. Always. Uh, what a score on your guest. Uh, you know, my bullshit meter went off when she started telling that story growing up the sidewalk and the construction workers were harassing her. But then after she finished and she said that it was her vibration, I, it's like a lightning bolt hit me. And she's so right. You know, I've uh, spent a lot of time in, uh, let's say, rehab, one fashion or another. Yep. And I've seen people change where when you first seen them, you're like, what a slut. And then afterwards, after some, some, you know, after some of their, you know, they get rid of some of their demons, they're a totally different person. Mm -hmm. and, and their whole aura changes. And I, I was so glad that she finished up that statement like that. That, that is that hit me right in the heart. Uh, I was I, I'm a I was molested when I was a young young man when I was about six seven years old. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm not kidding about that. But I never looked at it as being molested necessarily. Right. 
I, you know, because I enjoyed it or whatever. You know what I mean? Sure. And, it, and you're curious when you're you're young, and some of the things your guests said tonight really struck home. I, I really appreciate people coming out and talking about this sort of, sort of thing, especially with some of their own uh, experiences. Absolutely. I forgot your name, ma'am. Brianna. It's Brianna. <laughs> Brianna. No, Thank you so you. much for your bravery. And, you know, I can't help but think about what every, everything that's going on with these children that have come across the border and some of the rumors of, the, you know, the darker side of the child trafficking and things like that. And how uh, you might you might be able to help and, and educate people so that we can all try to help what's about to happen. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it's um, and, you know, to your point, Frey and the boys, you know, I mean, I can totally resonate with the story as well. I, I was uh, also abused as a child and I spent years, uh, you know, in cycles of addiction. And it wasn't until I went to rehab and then came out and made this complete transformation that my life started working out in the way that it was meant to. Like up until that point, I felt like everything wrong happened to me. You know, of course, I wasn't the cause of any of it. Um, but, uh, you know, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. you come to find out that it's, you know, it's, it's the, it is that energy, that frequency that you're putting out there. It's the question, the, the, um, the, the choices that you make in your life, the, the good and the bad, but all too often, you know, you make a lot of bad decisions when you're on uh, drugs and alcohol or, you know, trying to shove all of that pain and that emotion back down inside of you so that you don't have to confronted um but once you do make that change i mean things uh are, are completely wide open the sky's the limit you know it, I've, I've experienced the same thing I've, I've had a lot of sober time in my life and, and a lot of drunk time R- right now i'm 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 drinking right now but uh you know i'm, I'm older I, I don't want to make excuses but i've noticed through my sobriety through the years that my very vibration does change oh yeah and you you attract uh different kinds of people absolutely uh the positivity that comes around with it now being a soldier and stuff when you're deployed and stuff you're sober so Mm -hmm. i always it always fit for me as a soldier to be deployed and you run in i was always a little bit older than everybody because i got a little late start in life on my deployments, and I found mentoring and, and service work to some of the younger individuals, our soldiers, and things like that. So fulfilling. Uh, I don't want to take away from from your from your guests with my own stories, but I had some questions for her, and about the kind of hope that she's speaking of that is for everybody in one fashion or another. If you can speak on that, because there's never been a time, I think, in our lives or our current history, that hope is more important. I agree with you. That's actually why I do this work. I think before I learned how to transmute energy, I didn't have any hope myself, and I didn't even realize it. And in fact, it didn't hit me until... I actually had that experience that I was describing with the construction workers and I came back and realized that something had shifted and it was only two hours 
you know, two short hours and we managed to shift something that I had not only been grappling with my whole life, but that my mother, my grandmother, my great grandmother, and God only knows how many generations back had been dealing with too. And the fact that we could actually change something that profoundly so quickly and so permanently blew my mind. And I knew that I wanted to bring that work to everybody I possibly could. So for me, there's never been more hope, even though the world in some ways has never looked darker. But um, if you'll forgive the cheesy expression, I really do feel like we are in that darkness before the dawn. We're standing at this incredible- I truly believe darkness. that too. Do you? I'm yes. Hear that because so many people seem to be descending further. There's into so many signs of it. every every day. Uh, something something proves me that God's. You know when you spoke about dreams. I had a dream a long a while ago, uh, before the 2020 election, and I never dream. I I I, uh, I drink so I can fall asleep and not have to. So when I do dream. It, it wakes me up. I pay attention to it. And it was the weirdest freaking dream. I had a good friend that uh, fell off the wagon, the hard style, and he started doing drugs, meth, and heroin, and he uh, died from cancer. Mm. Oh. And uh, he was a very good friend of me. He was sober for our best friends. were sober buddies back in the day when we first got sober together. And uh, his family, I was a god father to his kids and things like that and the same night i had this dream about trump picked me up in his in his limo i know this is going to sound weird <laughs> but to me it was profound so please hear me out i got you he picked me up he picked me up in his limo and out of nowhere and he made i had to get in i got in he told me to put my seatbelt on and he looked over at me and said shut the shut shut up and he put his arm across me, and we headed to go. Uh, we sped off the side of a cliff. And the whole way down, I'm like, we're going to die when we hit. We, we landed. And then Trump took his arm away from my chest and said, now get out and uh, enjoy the scenery. And he took off in the limo. And I was left on this beautiful beach in this sense of calmness came about me that it's going to be rocky. We're going to fall off the cliff, but it's going to be okay. Yep. Hang in there. That. <laughs> I do too. That's uh, pretty much exactly the way I see it as well. <clears throat> so that's awesome. Uh, glad to hear it. Listen, um, Frey and the boys. That, that we, same we... night, oh, that you got same more. night okay. I had a, that same night, my buddy that had died, he had relapsed and uh, he's totally, Messed up his whole family. It's a long story, and it's really gross. Let's just put it that way, right? Mm -hmm. And um, he he came back. I walked in the room. He was sitting in the chair, and half his half of his arm was decomposed, like he was still in the grave and decomposing. But he looked at me, and he said, "I'm even forgiven." God bless you, Freya. Thank you so much for calling in, brother. All right, peace out. All right, man. We'll see you. Have Bye. a great night. 
Uh, let me say thank you to Esther G13, who says, uh, Zach, I guess there's a reason we're drawn to certain people. Much love, brother. Much love to you as well. Uh, and then R. Scriv says, what an incredible show. I'm a mom of five. My eldest is an example, I believe, of someone who chose to be rid, who chose to rid our family tree of a generational challenge. He passed away in 2013 and was 21. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Sorry for your loss. And um, we've got three callers on the line. Let's go ahead and bring oh, in our next one. Did, Caller, go ahead and mute your stream. And can we get your name? Hello, Zach. It's Casey. And uh, Casey. welcome, uh, Brianna. And uh, your husband, Dr. Joe, is a very lucky guy. <laughs> yes, <he laughs> Thank <is>. you, sir. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just uh, had some questions about uh, uh, family origin stories that you were recalling. And uh, real quickly, what is Dr. Joe's medical speciality? Well, boy, that one's actually complicated. He was internal medicine, um, especially when he was practicing a lot, but he does a lot of research as well, specifically in uh, cardiac and smoking cessation. Um, but these days, uh, he's mostly traveling. <laughs> right, right. So he, he obviously uh, deserved and is greatly appreciated to be one of the same, uh, you know, uh, uh, medical uh, uh, generals. In, in, in the fight for uh, righteousness, I guess. Uh, anyhow, you talked about your, your family of origin in the sense, uh, when you talk to uh, the angels, were they all male? No, actually, when I was a little girl, they were all female. And now I okay. think the reason for that is because they would appear less threatening to me because I had such trouble with male energy at the time. Um, okay. then it's very often Archangel Michael. So, um, now it's both, but it's funny you say that no one's ever asked me that before. And uh, I did not see a male angel until I was less afraid of males. You know, what's interesting okay. is that um, when I, when, I mean, even though, you know, obviously Archangel Michael, the name is male, I've always perceived angels to be kind of asexual beings, you know, I mean, just like, you know, they're just vaguely beautiful, you know, perhaps uh, masculine <laughs> in appearance. But I mean, when I was little, I actually had a vision of a female angel when in, in I don't know, I think I was like four or five or something like that. Like it was uh, above me in bed and, uh, you know, like you said, I just was like, oh, that's cool. You know what I mean? Like, it didn't seem like it was all that odd. And obviously, you know, uh, being Catholic, I mean, we talked about angels all the time. So I was just like, okay, sweet. This is this is happening. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> Don't mean to take over the show. Continue, yeah. Casey. I, I, and I was also going to ask, in a sense, what was the geographical situation that you were allowed to be, I want to say, religiously, because of the theocracy that was going on in the family and the community? Uh, was it uh, was it a small town? Was it a rural town? Was it a suburb, or was it a big city? Uh, very small, very rural. We had one intersection and a pizza place, and that's about it. <laughs> okay, it's so it, it was enable to happen. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, it, was, it was a little church town. <laughs> yeah, and I want to talk about your treatment, or I guess with Mr. Chris, uh, in the sense that I've always had this medical anomaly that I can't get explained. And like I say, I don't know if your husband has done a lot of work with blood, but there's a thing called the golden bloods where 24 to 48 people in the world have antigen null, null blood. And I always wonder, is that a, 
product of devolution or evolution because it's an anomaly that sticks out uh, in your treatment. Did he deal with any type of magnets? Because you were talking about uh, Tesla, obviously. Uh, have you done any research on the Schumer resonance uh, dealing with the Earth's magnetics? Uh, but also uh, the fact of iron, iron and magnetic fields, the fact that women are mostly iron deficient. Uh, your husband may be in the line for anemia, uh, like uh, sickle cell anemia. So is, is blood work in any contribution to the healing process? Is it whether it's mechanical or electrical? And does the blood type matter? With this particular work, it's none of it's invasive. So it has nothing to do with blood. But that said, there, there are so many amazing roots to healing, right? And, and the more I learn, the more I realize we don't know what's going on out there. And there are so many souls right now, especially since it, it is the great awakening, there are people really coming into their gifts. And so there are people who are looking at um, blood types, um, blood lines, even specifically, and all the things that you're talking about. It's definitely not my specialty, but I do have an interest in the Schumann resonance and I do follow it. Uh, personally, uh, as far as this type of healing, though, it's it's a combination of ancient work. There's a lot of Chinese medicine, a lot of Qi and Meridian work, and then some. I would I'll call them more modern theories, just because I'm not sure what their their predecessors really would be called. But um, every single individual who experiences this type of healing has a completely different experience. So, for example, when Joe went, he uh, shared with me things that I never saw, never took part in, never happened to me. And then I had that same experience where um, it really depends on exactly the type of trauma you're dealing with, uh, how far back it goes, where it lives in your body, because we all store different types of trauma in different places. Um, sometimes you have to get physical. Boy, I learned that the hard way. I had some really unpleasant physical experiences with Christopher that week, but also just profound. Um, even though it was, at, at times I was in more pain than I was in childbirth. But once you you rid your body of that level of trauma, the euphoria that it leaves behind is indescribable. Um, it's almost like yeah. slipping into another dimension. Well, I, I just want to say, I think mainly in the physiology of our body, the blood is so important, but I also think we're being constantly attacked by parasites. And just to go off on the ivermectin, I think that, you know, anti-parasiticals are good. And there have been studies shown that they actually affect the mind. Uh, I don't want to go too big into that, but I just want to get your opinion. I'm, I'm sure you've heard of the med beds. Yes. Yes, I am anxiously, okay. anxiously awaiting them, as are, are we all. Yes, absolutely. Oh. Um, I wish I had some inside track for you, but uh, I'm praying for them. Just <laughs> haven't heard about that one well, from Michael yet. I, I think there's a few in Mar-a-Lago that we, we can't use yet, but uh, I just uh, I have a slight problem with the, uh, uh, the cellular regeneration. I mean, I, I, I can't see us all being like salamanders. But uh, I also worry, unless it's targeted, uh, what do you do with people that have had dental surgery? Do you have to remove all the apparatuses? 
before you can go into the med bed. Because I, I think there might be some, you know, side effects because if you're going to grow people's limbs back and or I've been hearing that they're treating sexual assault victims with the med bed. So hmm. uh, I, I hope that's not the only method, but I think if this uh, Chris Healer could be uh, implemented in another pathway, you know, for those who, you know, would, would not trust the electronics, like I said, the Amish, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure they're dealing with a few physical and mental ailments themselves. Oh, you know, the, so, the but Amish, I wish you yeah. come back. <laughs> the, the Amish are all are, are uh, like healthier than us, though, because they don't have all the poisons that we end up putting into our bodies, <laughs> either, you know, intentionally or unintentionally. To your point, Casey, I've got a titanium plate and screws in my uh, wrist here. So, yeah, if I did end up in a med bed, I'd probably need to take those out because I just don't. Otherwise, yeah. your, your body would end up pushing it out. All right. Well, listen, Casey, we got to get yeah. to these final callers, buddy. So thank you so much for calling. I really appreciate it. Not a problem. And Brianna, please come back again for uh, a longer period of time because you're fascinating. And there are so many subjects, not even Florida specific, that we really need to discuss and debate. So have a wonderful evening and thank your husband again. Thank you so much. You as well. All right. We'll see you, Casey. You got Peace. It. All right. We've got uh, three callers left. Is that okay, Brianna? Finish these up? Absolutely. Okay, yeah, great. Let's do it. Uh, and then also um, our Scriv, who had uh, um, sent the rumble rant about her son, or I'm sorry, her child. I don't know if it was the son. My other kids have done well, but I believe we would do well meeting with someone to help with their energies. How can we find experts in areas outside of Florida? Thank you both for a great show. And, Brianna, I actually was going to pass out the link to your website, which is uh, com. And uh, did you have any, like, contact information that you wanted people to have? Like, do you have an email you want to pass out or anything or just send people to your website? Yeah, just go right to the website. You can contact me directly through it. And um, I do have a lot of contacts that are all over the world. So if you want, if people have specific questions about healers and they're part of the world, let me know. Yeah. Um, many of them also travel. In fact, Christopher's one of them. He does travel. So um, I'll help you however I can. Okay, great. Uh, next caller, you're on the line. Can we get your name? My name is Aaron Moriarty, inventor of the Invisimask. Aaron, good to hear from you. Glad to have you back, buddy. How you doing? Well, if I was doing any better, I'd be you. I just had Brian Lupo on my show last night. I saw that in the chat, man. Congrats. How was it? I'll have to watch it. It was great. Yeah, I, I really had a great time. But Brianna, <clears throat> I have to say, I, I love what you're doing. And uh, these children need someone like you. You've got the perfect spirit for this. And I, I also must say, your hairdo is mesmerizing everybody in the chat <laughs> thank <It's>, uh, you <laughs> fabulous Made my day. <laughs> thank yes. you so much um and you know what um i had a very good childhood and so i really didn't have any um any kind of abuse so i feel like i'm very lucky but i also feel like that world is right around the corner for everybody. I, and I, I really, uh, because I really think that childhood is sacred and a childhood is protecting that child. And, you know, you shouldn't talk to a child about anything that isn't childhood related. 
and uh, that can protect that person so it can be the best adult it can be with that good start with that protected childhood absolutely i think that that is the reason that um so many of these dark external forces are targeting children uh you know if you want to take a society out at the knees you go after its children right and unfortunately your know, humans are we are creator beings we are are very powerful creators and sexual energy is supposed to be a healthy pure creative energy so when you cross a child's boundaries and you corrupt that energy you're really taking their life force away you're taking away any chance that they could ever have a healthy beautiful existence a relationship um even be a functional member of society so um to, to me the, the evil of hurting such a a beautiful innocent being as a child or an animal for that matter um that just crosses every line there is so as I said earlier, I sincerely hope before I die that there is not an industry for me to work in anymore. But as long as there yeah. is, uh, I'll be here. Well, you are doing God's work. And, you know, I've taught at daycares and, you know, children are the light. And what happens to our children happens to be our future. So we need to do whatever we can to protect these children and thank goodness that you are doing the work you're doing. So thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Aaron, thank you so much, brother. I, I appreciate you. You want to tell everybody where they can find you? Find me out there on rumble, uh, truth quest with Aaron Moriarty and, uh, come over and hang out. It's a lot of fun. Also on Facebook and Truth social and Twitter, X, Twix, whatever they're calling it now. All right. The Aaron truth Moriarty. is out there. Just find Aaron Moriarty. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Thank you, buddy. All right. Peace. Take we'll care. Bye-bye. All right. Final caller of the evening. Caller, you're on the air. Go ahead and mute your stream. And can we get your name? Caller. Do you hear me? Caller, I can hear the stream of us talking in the background. Are you there? For creative energy. Okay. So I'm going to put you okay. back into the room. Hopefully you hear us right now live on the stream telling you that when we bring you into the room, I need for you to mute the stream. Uh, you can go ahead and mute the stream right now. And in just a few seconds, I'll bring you back in after I read this rumble rant from Coyote Patriot, who said, uh, Brianna, great inf interview and information. The dream portion hit home as over the years, some of mine have come true and my wife is one of them. That's awesome. I actually had a dream about Lisa, my fiance, before we met. Um, and, uh, I, you know, it, there was this, um, so we met on Twitter, Brianna, <laughs> we, we met on Twitter and I didn't know <clears throat> if she was even a woman, we were just screen names <laughs> and we were just kind of chatty back and forth. And, uh, and I had a dream about her. And then, uh, when I, uh, I, I finally got to meet her, I was like, oh my God, this is the same woman. And, uh, I was like, that's pretty awesome. But I, that didn't happen until I got sober. Like for years when I was in the throes of my addiction, I didn't dream, you know, I mean, like I, I was like completely disconnected from God and from the spiritual realm. And I was unable to have that connection. 
And, um, you know, it wasn't until I actually made the decision to get sober. Like I had this spiritual experience uh, after uh, a, a bender at like 630 in the morning. I was out on my back porch watching the sun come up. <clears throat> And I had I just kind of had enough and I got down on my knees and I said, God, I can't do this on my own. You know, I've tried every other way that I can possibly do it with my own will and it just hasn't worked. So I'm asking for help. And uh, like within like 17 hours or so, like I got the answer that I needed and uh, and I ended up uh, getting sober and I've been sober for almost six years now. So um, pretty awesome. But I mean, I like I just, you know, from what you're describing, uh, you know, when you do have that low vibrational thing going on uh, and you don't have that connection to, you know, anything other than the physical and what's directly in front of you, um, you're not going to be able to tap into that uh, that ever-present force that's out there. Absolutely. And there's so much available. Yeah. And, you know, I, I was doing the same thing. I was cutting myself off voluntarily, which in retrospect, I can't believe I did that. I cost myself about 20 years of profound connection. But, you know, at least I made it back. Um, but I feel like so many people, especially right now, they feel like they're out there alone. Yeah. Like the situation is hopeless. And it's actually so simple, not necessarily easy, but it's very simple to change your vibration and thus change all of the circumstances of your life. Um, I love your story. That's, that's amazing. Thank you. you. Just ask for help and there. Well, it's beautiful. Yes. And I want people to know that that's very real. This is not some pie in the sky, like woo woo idea. It's, I mean, it's, it's physics and it's spirituality and it's divine and it's, it's our nature. Mm-hmm. It's our birthright. Absolutely. So it's so, right there waiting. Something else that you said earlier, you know, that we are energetic being, beings. I mean, I, I totally believe that as well. I think that there is like a scientific explanation for that, but also obviously the divine as well. You know, when human life is created, there's that spark of light that's created when the sperm enters the egg, you know, at that moment, you know, there is that divine explosion. And I think that your soul enters into that physical form at that point. And as we walk around on planet Earth, you know, we're basically just vessels for our souls. And there is that, you know, we're completely made up of energy and uh, you know everything that's happening within us it's it's this spark this ongoing spark and when people pass you know i mean like that goes out and then your soul leaves your body and there you go and you're going on to the the next stage of your existence so um okay uh, actually the last caller go went ahead and hung up so i don't know maybe, maybe oh. they couldn't figure <laughs> out how to do it um i do have one question from gail that uh i saw in the chat she said said something about how do we move past needing people to like us? I think that was something to that effect. And I can relate to that because, you know, having been abused, you know, and um, like not feeling like I was worth anything, um, you know, I actually gained a lot of weight and like I didn't realize it at the time, but it was so that I would be unattractive uh, and that perhaps I wouldn't be victimized again because I thought like, you know, I was just, you know, that way I wouldn't be worth anything and people wouldn't want anything to do with me. And, you know, I mean, I, I, I was like teased when I was a kid and I want all I wanted was for people to love me and I wanted to have relationships but I couldn't make that connection because I was just so like twisted up in my head about everything. And, you know, by the time I got to high school, I kind of like 
made this choice that um, I didn't really care what people thought about me anymore. Like I was like, I'm going to be who I need to be and I'm going to make my way in the world and I don't need to have anybody love me. You know, if people see me and they want to make a connection with me, then they can. And that was a significant change. I mean, it allowed me to make connections in my life that I was unable to prior to that. But of course, you know, I never really got over what happened and I remained within, you know, the world of drugs and alcohol for a long time. But do you have any perspective on that? Yeah, I can strongly relate to that myself. I felt like um, since I was unlovable to my own family, I had profound self-worth issues and self-esteem issues um, and, and really just wanted to be accepted. So I went through a version of, of the same thing. And I became an expert people pleaser because from my perspective at the time, that was the only way out of my situation because I knew I wasn't going to survive them being who I really was. Mm-hmm. So I faked it for years Um, I didn't know, though, what it was costing me to do that until much, much later. Um, And and like you said, even if you do change your attitude and decide, you know, this is me, take it or leave it. (laughs) I don't care what you think. That does not erase the emotional scars underneath that belief. Right. So, I mean, you absolutely can affect some change in that conscious realm. But again, that the subconscious and the unconscious scars are still there. And the thing is, once there's an emotional trauma, once there's that imprint on your soul, it basically makes you able to be triggered for the rest of your life or until you intervene somehow by that thing. So wherever you are particularly invested in an outcome, you're vulnerable to manipulation, to other people's energy, all of these things. So while I do think there there are things you can do to move past the need to be liked um, by you know deciding how you're going to present yourself and working on your self-worth, and all of that is very valid. However, from my perspective, the the way to really go after that is to deal energetically with the core issue that made you feel unworthy in the first place. So um, for example, if I was working with a client, um, I, I do have adult clients too. In fact, this happened recently. Um, I very often work with people who say, um, I'm feeling depressed because of COVID. And I say, okay, great. Let's talk about your childhood. <laughs> This is sound like a therapist, but the reality is there's always something underlying that belief. Mm-hmm. And it might be one incident. It might be a lifetime of little things. It might be something you inherited from your, your parents or whoever raised you that you're not even aware of. Because the very first thing we do when we're born is we start emulating the stress responses of the people who raise us, mm-hmm. like what we're seeing. And we may go through our whole lives not even realizing that the way we're interacting with other people isn't even ours. It's someone else's. So to really go after that need to please and that need to be liked, you've got to start energetically unpacking the trauma that created the belief that you're not likable in the first place. Okay, excellent. And that caller did jump back on the line. So we will get okay. their <clears throat> we'll get their question and then we're gonna so go I ahead and tune out for the night. Caller, 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 mute the stream, mute your stream. Mute your stream. Okay. I'm muting I'm muting you, caller. So make sure that you've got that stream muted. And once you've got your stream muted, go ahead and unmute 
and then come back in. And if I don't see you unmute in a moment, then I guess we're going to go ahead and call it a night. But uh, <laughs> let me just make sure there's nothing else over here. Michelle Ann, thank you very much for the can. Tanette Booth, good to see you, Tanette. Dropped a phone over there on the foxhole as well. Um, and Gail Time says, thank you for asking that, Zach. I appreciate the show. Excellent. I appreciate you being here, Gail. Thank you very much. Okay, let's go ahead and ask the caller to unmute themselves and hopefully – They've muted the stream and they can figure out how to uh, to do this. But, you know, it's technology is a weird thing. You guys doesn't <laughs> always work the way it's supposed to. All right. So we're going to call a, we're going to call a lid just like the White House. And uh, <laughs> we're going to say thank you so much, uh, Brianna, for being here uh, at the end of the show. I always like to ask my guests, what do you really want the audience to take away from tonight's conversation? You know, there is one thing that I didn't mention that I should have. And the most, the most profound lesson that I have learned really my whole life, but specifically over the past five years is that every single thing we experience in our lives is a co-creation. So we are not victims of anything even. So I was brought up thinking that things were happening to me, Mm -hmm. right? I was, I was being attacked. I was being put upon by these external forces. And it took me 30 years to realize that we come into this existence to have particular experiences, right? To learn particular lessons, to, to work certain things out, uh, maybe to help and to guide and to lead in some way. So we actually end up curating the circumstances under which we can learn those lessons. So we are not hapless victims that things are happening to. Mm-hmm. Now that doesn't mean we're actively consciously choosing to suffer. Yeah. Not at all. However, um, my point is that when th- when things happen in our lives, it is at least 50% on us at some level. There is some reason, there is some lesson, there is something to be gained or learned from that experience. And I think the moment we realize that, it's an incredibly powerful thing because you can take your power back. Yep. You are no longer... You know, at the effect of the rest of the world, you actually do get to choose and dictate the circumstances of your own life. So I want people to know that um, it's not just hope. There really is a future for all of us. It's not. I know things look terrible right now um, for what it's worth. Uh, I get recurring visions. And one that I've had since I was born is of what the world is going to look like when we resolve all this. And um, I promise all of you, love wins. I don't know how long this is going to take, but we are going to get there and we are going to create some version of heaven on earth. So I want everyone to know that everything is going to be beautiful. We just have to get there. Awesome. Uh, I I absolutely agree with you. I mean, I I have often said that uh, some of the seemingly worst most brutal experiences that we go through can end up resulting in some really powerful lessons that move us forward and help us to accomplish exactly what we were put on this earth to do. And so, you know, I look back at all of the terrible things in my life and every single bad decision, every single awful thing that I had to go through led me to this very moment. If it would have been any different, then I wouldn't be who I am today. And so I wouldn't change any of it for the world. And I thank God for putting me in this space 
and for allowing me to have you here on the show tonight, Brianna. I really appreciate uh, what uh, what you're doing, and I hope that you can come back in the future. Uh, final thank you over here to uh, Chiro Kathy on the Foxhole. She says, great show tonight. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you also to everybody who donated over there on Rumble, and I don't think there's anything over there on uh, Ko-Fi, but uh, if you guys uh, would like to catch up with Brianna, once again, her website is the website I'm going to go ahead and drop in the chat. It is com, and you can also go to get her book on Amazon. Can they buy your book through your website so you get more money? I'm working on that. Okay. I'm, I'm a terrible Luddite. I'm trying to figure that out. <laughs> but if you hate Amazon, you can do Bookshop, Barnes & Noble, yeah. somebody else. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. All right. Well, for right now, you can buy it on Amazon. That link is in the description below. So thank you, everybody. I hope that you have a wonderful Sunday. Obviously, I'm taking the day off, and I will be back Monday at 5 p.m. for another edition of Red Pill News Live. Until that time, good luck and God bless. We'll see you then.